Captain's Log, Stardate 76951.5. After a great amount of work, the command crew is returning from some much-needed shore leave. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to the adventure. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain. Captain Chase McKinney, and uh, joining me for this little city slicker kind of adventure of a book, my dear friend, Lieutenant Commander David. How the heck are you, my dude? Hey, doing pretty good, man. Yeah. I I would say the old joke of like, you know, I haven't seen you in so long. But But it's been like mere hours, basically. I I, I mean, basically, uh, I'm sure we've we've run that one into the ground. Yeah. (laughs) Come on, say the bit, do the thing. Well, dance, I mean, monkey, me dance. and Eric did stop vying for who would uh, who would finally break the <laughs> silence a while ago. So that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, we just uh, we just got going again with the uh, good old uh, whatchamacallit, You know, the Strange New World season two again, uh, or not again, but the recaps, I should say, and uh, to kind of. I guess keep the the strange new worlds thing going. We're going to be talking about the book um, here um, on tonight's episode, today's episode, this morning's episode. Whenever you're listening to this, got to cover all the points in a day, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like anything, I don't know, out of the ordinary, exciting, weird, fun, cool, sad happened since we had our last conversation. Let me tell you about something sad. Go for it. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have anything sad. Dang it, man. Uh, um, no. Yeah, I hope so. No, I mean, really, it's it's been like, it, it's just been work weekend. So we had, um, last weekend, we had set all the posts for our fence hmm. uh, that we were putting up. You know, basically, we were just bringing it in a bit. So we have four car spots in the back now, and I'm going to gravel it and all that kind of crap. But... Um, but anyway, yeah, no garage, no garage chase. I know it's it's hard to say for you know big shot like me. Uh, yeah, man. But yeah, I mean we're this this isn't our forever home. But um, but yeah, so we were we wanted to put up uh, you know privacy fence. Sure. Uh, you know we have neighbors. Obviously, uh, one of our neighbors is you know her nephew. So we. <laughs> It's fine. It's uh, a thing. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, it, you know, we also wanted to kind of let the dog off the leash a little bit. You know, it, it, with the small little chain link fence that was here apparently forever, she'd just go over that if she really wanted to. And, you sure. know, she's not very sure. kind to other dogs in the neighborhood. But anyway, yeah, so we were doing that last weekend. This today and yesterday were putting up panels and doing a little bit more and it's you know it's hot it's sunny it's work it's not very fun but you get through it it looks fine i I still just have a few things to wrap up tomorrow um you know setting 
two more panels. Well, setting yeah, two more panels and then building a a, a gate uh, okay. for the front. So it's it's just mainly been work. We we did, however. Uh, so you know, Father's Day weekend and everything. So we were able to take my dad and her parents out. Uh, to uh, to a Brazilian steakhouse. It was actually nice. my dad's idea. He told us like weeks ago. He's like, you know, it'd be nice Brazilian steakhouse. It's like, Dad, I don't know where you're coming from with this, but yes, let's go eat lots of meat. Uh, so, <laughs> so we 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 all went out um, to a Brazilian steakhouse and and ate a ton. And you know, my my brother, uh, you know, came down, his wife, their kids, and everything. So. That that was a lot of fun. It it, it was also her parents' uh, wedding anniversary, relatively close, and then her mom's birthday was a few days ago too. Wow! Just so it was put like it all together. Yeah, it was a big, big uh, you know accumulation of stuff, and so we we ate a lot. And, um, we also visited a a, a deli for lunch today, uh, which you know historical in the downtown area called uh, Cat Singers. Um, okay. Realistically, if you got when you guys come down, I've got like one place I want to take you to for sure for dinner, but like you know, like cat singers for like a lunch would be great because like if you like if you like deli stuff and uh, the one I got I can't remember what it was called, but it, it had corned beef and pastrami, kind of like hot corned beef, hot pastrami on their own rye bread that they make, hot mustard. It's it's a fantastic sandwich they have a lot of other stuff there too but anyway it's kind of a staple in the in the area and, and whatnot nice. so but uh but yeah it's it's just sort of been getting work done it's nice. very fun <laughs> nice yeah two things like I'm, I'm a sucker for a good deli sandwich for some reason like i just i love a good sandwich um there are two like sandwich shops um like non-chain that um, I went to when I lived in, in West Texas, and I, I absolutely loved one. Which one was called? Um, I think it was just called the Sandwichery. The name's partially escaped me because it's been like well over a decade since I lived out there. But I think it was called the Sandwichery. It was near like downtown Odessa, and I used to have like so many meetings with my volunteers there because they loved it. And as a result, I ended up loving it. As a result, um, that was really good. And when I was working um, as the business manager for a summer camp in um, what was that the summer of 2011 um, I used to like run errands all around like that part of West Texas so like we were in like the um, like the Fort Davis area if you like look on a map we were like in the Fort Davis area and, and there was this one place um, on the way like out to Alpine and it was just like side of the road blink and you miss it kind of place and I have no idea like why it was so good or or but it was like so fresh like with everything they used it was just it was so good and like i love bean sprouts yeah um, so do i i love bean sprouts and like they yeah. would put bean sprouts on the sandwich i'm like yes please let's do this here we go so if if this joint offers bean sprouts on a sandwich look sign seal delivered i'm yours baby let's do this <laughs> I don't. I don't know if they have bean sprouts, but they do have a lot of deli stuff, and okay. it's, it's it's very good. But I, yeah, eventually when you guys get up here, there there are a few places that, uh, okay. that I could consider for sure. Okay. So you mentioned garage and you mentioned construction, both of which I am working on 
right now. Um, oh no. So we're uh, the construction, like not as much, um, because like I hired a contractor. We're gonna be like completely like um, upgrading our backyard, which you've been in before. We're um, I survived. Adding... I survived you your backyard. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you survived the fire of twenty three, my man. Um, you got you got a shirt to prove it and everything. <laughs> sure did. Um, good grief. Yeah, we're adding in about um, a two hundred square feet uh, square foot um, like slab. Um, to really dress up our backyard and we're gonna add in some like lounge chairs and like just really extend it out make it look nice and declutter our current patio and so it's it's gonna look nice when it's all said and done but um, yesterday uh, yesterday uh, so the at the time of recording we're recording on a Sunday but um, on Saturday the so this is Father's Day weekend we we were working on, or we were, yeah, we were just running around doing errands for the most part, like partially Saturday morning, and then we did a lot more Saturday evening. And my wife went and got um, her hair done during the afternoon while John was napping and I was watching Elena. And she leaves and she sends me a text. She's like, hey, the garage door didn't go down. I'm like, okay, no big deal. Like usually like it's like a sensor thing with the light, no big deal. But then I pressed it and the door started to like buckle. And I'm like, oh gosh, this is not good. This is not good at all. And like, and then like one of the um, the wheels or whatever kind of came out of the track. And I'm like, what is going on? It, is, it isn't the old spring, is it? It was not the spring, thank you. Okay, goodness. okay. Cause no. yeah, I mean, those are, those can be pretty dangerous when you, when it fails. Cause they'll shoot into blocks like nothing. Yeah, I, I stay away from those things. Okay. I don't want to die. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but it was like probably a close second, by the way. Um, so the side of the garage that my car is parked on, the cable came unwound. Okay. Yeah, the cable came unwound. And uh, so I ended up getting my dad out over to the house and him and I worked on it for like an hour hour and a half we got we got the thing fixed but it was just like trial and error like um he's done more garage work than i have and so he just like started rewrapping the cable and i was like kind of guiding him since he couldn't see as well so we did that and then we had to like just move the like the track and it was it was a nightmare it was just an absolute nightmare but we got it done thankfully we got it done and the garage is working now but yeah, that was a fun adventure, which I do not recommend to anyone, by the way, at all. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't sound fun at all, man. Ooh. No, no. So that's that's been my my weekend uh, since we <laughs> since we last spoke about Strange New Worlds. How about that? Yeah, about that. Oh lordy. Well. Um, I ain't got anything else. You got anything else? No. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Well, if there is anything, just stop me in the middle of, of our conversation. Wait. But wait, there's more. No, there's no more. There's no more. Okay, there's never any. There's never any more with you. All right. Well, David, I say we, uh, we talk Trek. Um, this has been a long time coming with uh, schedules and technology and life all up in the way. Uh, but we are moseying 
into this discussion of, uh, I believe this is Strange New World's first book, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I know we had talked about a couple of different books to potentially get into, but like a Strange New World book kind of seemed like a bit of a no-brainer, especially as the show's out. That's right. I, I don't think I said this in the episode. You know, I don't remember if it was you, you and Eric maybe ta- texting in the group chat or if I if it was seeing the link that you sent in the email. I completely forgot it came out. <laughs> I completely forgot that the show even came out. And then uh, I was like, we have to sit down and watch the show now. <laughs> so, right now. Right now. Now we were we were just out doing a few, a few you know running errands mainly, and uh, we were home in plenty of time. And it was like we have to watch this episode. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Okay, usually I'm better about that. Like, um, I think I usually like send a text like in the morning or afternoon or something. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no biggie though. But certainly, uh, certainly the book is pre season two. Definitely pre-season two <laughs> for reasons. Yeah, for reasons. reasons. <laughs> um, and just to, uh, I, I realize like we, we have listeners that are um, from different um, levels of, um, you know, their interest when it comes to Star Trek. And I know that there are like the Uber fans out there that are like really deep in the lit verse of Star Trek. And to be fair, there is... Um, it's not really an anthology series, but there is a um, an older uh, book series out there called Strange New Worlds, by the way, that is way before this, um, and it has nothing to do with the show. It was just um, a literary series that was done uh, years ago. I want to say 20 years or more ago, um, and it was just a variety of different Star Trek adventures. Um, that was kind of interconnected. So um, that is not what we're talking about. We are not going to that part of Strange New Worlds. For Dang just, it. Yeah, we're we're doing this one. <laughs> we're we're doing okay. we're doing the High Country, um, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, the High Country, by John Jackson Miller. So um, this, I think, this is. I'll just come out and I'll just say this is a really fun book. Um, I think it's a pretty fun book. There's um, some kind of slogging along um, at times, but for the most part, and I don't want to get ahead of myself with the eval or, or, or you know whatever, but this is a fun book. Um, like we, we hear about, I mean, we see like in the, the series premiere of Strange New Worlds, freaking Pike riding on a horse for crying out loud. And we even like see that in his ready room um, as well. Yeah. And we really get to see Pike as a cowboy. Um, in this particular book when I'm wearing my cowboy hat right now, even as we, as we speak, because hey, Chase, everybody needs a saddle. That's saddle up your horses. Just saying. <laughs> so, no, but I, I, I do agree with you though. It, um, I, I have had some issue with some books. Um, the way they flow and it just boring me to tears. Uh, this was one that had like a lot of chapters 79 yeah and and i'm not 
I'm not really a big fan of that. It's it's weird that nowadays there are so many books that are almost like reciting like comics. Yeah. Uh, this was a problem that I had in like uh, the, the Star Wars book sphere with the High Republic, High Republic stuff. Yeah, because you had guys that came literally from the comic world. Um, but I, I, I can't say that I necessarily understand it, but weirdly enough, I didn't think that this was paced strangely. So I had a pretty good time, like just with the general flow of the book. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I was, um, like reading it and listening to it, uh, I, I was, and I, I, I mean, I looked ahead, like how many chapters does this thing have? And I, I looked ahead and I was like, man, like this just reminds me so much of um, the high, one of the High Republic books. Um, I don't know if it was like Light of the Jedi or if it was like Rising Tide or but it was like one of those like first two books, I want to say, because I gave up after book two, honestly. Uh, uh, don't worry, you didn't miss much. <laughs> cool, 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 I mean, we, cool. We didn't even get through that many of them. Cool. <laughs> yeah. But I, I remember, like, they were really, they were short-ish chapters, but there was, like, a million and a half chapters in the book. And I was like, huh, okay, here we go. Um, but, I, but again, like I said, I, um, for the most part, I really liked it. So, um, kind of, we, we kind of sort of have a somewhat straightforward story, I think. Um, we're kind of dealing with, like, um, an away team, right? Like they're they're gonna be doing like some exploration stuff, and they like there's like this crash. I, I think it was like a crash or something, but there's like this separation that takes place, and it's just yeah. a, a long adventure of getting back to each other. I think for the most yeah, part. yeah, di- different different plots, di- different little side stories and stuff for some of the individuals. Uh, real quick, by the way, because I do audiobook a lot of these, 16 hours, 12 minutes at okay. even speed, Robert Petkoff narrated. Um, he's obviously done a lot in Star Trek and Star Wars. I think he's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's better than fine. I've just heard him a lot. Yeah. And sometimes I like variety. I, I, I think you do. I know my brother, when we've talked books, he definitely ups the speed. I did up the speed uh, to about 1.5. Not uncomfortable. Robert Petkoff is a slow reader. I would look at one point. I, normally, like I keep these books at like one seven, usually. Um, but at one point, like I had it up to 1.8, and then eventually like 1.9. And even 1.9 wasn't uncomfortable either. Yeah, it, it's it's very it's very odd with him. He he. he he, he just is a slow reader, but like there are books that I do not speed up because I like enjoying the journey. And that's, I mean, I, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really matter what those are, I guess. But this one, it was not uncomfortable to jack it up a little bit. And, and it, it, you didn't miss anything. Yeah. Just got more time back. <laughs> that's, that's true. Cause 16 hours is an investment. Oh Yeah. I mean, like, even at, um, what was it? I think one seven, one seven. it was, like, at about nine or ten hours. That sounds right. 
Yeah. I mean, that's like, I mean, even still, like, that's like a normal size audiobook, I would think, like, by and large, nine or ten hours. It depends. You know, when we're, if we're talking about, like, actually, I, I, I think I should just look this up. Let's do it. On the spot research. I love it. We're pros here. Let's see how slow I can go. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so I, I I equate this. So like one, a trilogy, you could say, of books that I don't like listening to it anything, but it's normal speed is like the, the Lord of the Rings. Sure. So Fellowship is 19 hours, seven minutes. Okay. But that... I mean, that's like multiple days and just me running over a very well-known story. You know what I mean? And I like that. And I also like Rob Inglis. I like Rob Inglis okay. a lot. Yeah. But uh, but that's like, you know, when you're talking about great work of literature. So only three out, basically three hours more for the high country. It's a little pushy, my friend. Mm-hmm. When you put it that way, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying. Robert Petkoff is a good reader. Have no issues with him. He could just stand to speed it up a bit. That's all. Yeah. Don't throw stones. It's fine. Glass <laughs> houses. We get it. <laughs> oh man. Well. Yeah, we 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 we've definitely had our fair share of Robert Petkoff, haven't we? A lot. I mean, he, he's he's very popular though. I mean, he he does a lot of narration. He he's certainly got got in there. So I mean, good for him. That's that's good business for him. Yeah. It makes me wonder, like, because like you have to keep that in mind, like whether you're listening on like an Audible or some other kind of Audible, right? Like you have to like read at a certain speed to account for clarity at those other speeds, I would think. Yep. Like we need you to read this slow. Well, no it, matter what. Yeah. So if if this is correct, three hundred and twenty pages for this book. Now put that into perspective. Okay, on the spot research. <laughs> So the high country, three hundred and seventy-one pages. Okay, that okay. There we go. Three hundred and seventy-one pages. Wow. Yeah. Dang. Uh, and I guess the only thing the only thing that I would say is, some printings will have variations in that. You have a printed copy of it? Okay. Hardcover. Yeah, hardcover. Good deal. Okay. Uh. Let's see. Fellowship of the Rings, 479 pages. Okay. Just if we're being, you know. An extra 100 pages. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Man. Somebody had a lot to say in the high country, didn't they? (laughs) John Jackson Miller sure did. (laughs) Okay. That's all a bunch of nerd stuff that I'm sure nobody cares about. I guess we can talk about the story now, huh? No, we get we get in the weeds, man. We're we're pros around here. What are you talking about? Oh boy. Yeah. The, so Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, The High Country, written by New York Times best-selling author John Jackson Miller. Does that matter? I I just want to pause here. Like New York Times bestseller. Does that actually matter anymore? 
I don't think it does. Because it used to be like, uh, what was it, like Hugo Award? You remember when you were a kid and you, you saw a book with like the Hugo Award and all this stuff? It's like, oh, it's got so many awards on it, it's super good, right? <laughs> but like New York Times bestseller, it, isn't that just something that people buy into now? It's just whatever your publishing company. I was honestly things. wondering that, even as you're bringing it up. Like, do people just buy that credential? Yeah, I, I don't want to be too pessimistic about it, but I, I, I hear a lot of New York Times bestsellers, and then I, I've also heard of, like, really great writers who are not New York Times bestselling authors, but they still sell books. Sorry, another tangent. It's okay. It's okay. So uh, this book, um, and I know that we kind of... Um, I, I, I vaguely remember us not enjoying these episodes too much but um, the historian's note at the front of this book and even at the beginning of the audio as well says that the events of this story take place in 2259 following the capture of the Enterprise by the pirates of the Serene Squall and the successful efforts to retake the ship so that would have been the episode of the Serene Squall and before the routine survey of the Genesian Nebula and the events that befall Dr. Mbenga and his daughter Rukia in the Elysian Kingdom. Ooh, yeah. So that's where this takes place. Oh my goodness! Yeah, the the that the the Elysian Kingdom was that what you said? Yeah, between Serene Squall, which was that hyper soap opera schmacking yeah. uh, captain. Yeah, I, I was just looking at ratings. I, I gave it the the best rating out of all of us, and it was still a seven seven. You know, that Elysian Kingdom, I think that that was one we all had a trouble. We had trouble with the ending on. That's exactly what we had issues with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because that, like, that was he, when he, we he, had Fairy Tale World. Yeah, and he effectively gave up, is what he did. Uh, yeah, I, I, that was rough. But I gave it the highest rating. If I, I don't have the ratings in front of me, but yeah, I gave it the highest. Yeah, seven, eight. I yeah, just pulled it up. By virtue of the fact that I love Renaissance Fairs, and it was just like... Renfest on on screen for me. Well, it it was it, and I think that's why I was still in the mid sevens because it was like it was it was kind of like a campy, almost callback to the original series type of thing. So I can appreciate that. I just hated the message at the end. I really mm -hmm. did. Yeah, especially since we got like a glimmer of hope. You know, just a few episodes um, sooner. You know, with like, hey, I can't give you all the stuff, but you're basically on the right path, yeah. you know, with being able to, to save and heal your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't science their way out of it. No, let's let Nebula mama take over and do the <laughs> yeah. thing. Anyway. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. Cause normally that beginning of the book stuff, I just skip over and try and get to the book. <laughs> yep. So yeah, it takes place um, in between that right there. Which, with you having it open right now, if you still have that open, dude, how many episodes, I, I don't know, how many episodes are between Serene Squall and uh, Elysian Kingdom? Or are they back, back to back? Back to back, okay. Yep. Okay. Did we put star dates on the the sheet at all? Uh, I, I know Eric had his thing going. I don't know if he's updated that, but no. No star dates? No. Huh. Okay. Man, okay. Well, I'm not mad at where it is. 
um, because I yeah. think this is a good story to be, be between it. Can, can I just say this before say, we actually get into the thing? This might have been a better episode than the than the Serene Squall. A thousand percent, yes. Like this actually might have been a cooler episode, in my opinion, than the Lysian Kingdom too. I think that this would have been like a classic kind of interesting episode to have put in the show. And we read about the book. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's TV worthy for me. This could have been, I mean, forget like what we were just saying, like about like where it's placed, you know, like what it says, like in the historian's note, I think this, I'm going to get some flag for this one. I think this would have been a better season two premiere. Ooh, season two premiere. Wow. Actually. Yeah, I could, I could see that. But then how could you set up all the other things for the season chase? You don't. (laughs) What are you doing? You, you don't. For for me, I, I I feel like it's a really good like mid mid uh, season episode for for sure. me because it's like a classic uh, landing party tale mm-hmm. where you get in the weeds and you learn a lesson and I mean the the book is kind of cool because it does make some um, allusions to some enterprise stuff. Mm-hmm. Which is one of fun. our favorite shows, yeah. Yeah, which is which is definitely fun, and, and the Enterprise episode was a good episode. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I, for me, I it, mid mid season I think would have been pretty cool for it, but yeah, yeah, didn't get it. No, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so as you were saying, and I was going to point this out here in a second, but um, yeah, we have we do have some. Um, like references to some enterprise stuff as well as some discovery stuff. Uh, of course, we have like um, in this book we have like mentions of the Delphic Expanse. So yep. like that's all of what season three of Enterprise. Yeah. Yep. We also have North Star, which is another episode of Enterprise, which kind of comes into play in this book. Um, and then we also have um, it's not over. It's not. It's not. You know, too. Um, in your face, but they do mention I want like mm, less than a, ha- a handful of times, like the whole Terralisium thing from Discovery, um, and like the connection like with um, the kind of more quaint way of living, um, like giving up the the technology and all the advancement stuff, and kind of using that as like a comparative kind of tool to what's happening in this particular story. So I didn't mind it. I'm like okay, good good for you for you know, connecting some pieces with enterprise and discovery. Good job. So, um, so yeah, we're, I mean, we're going to be spoiling some things, um, but we're not going to hopefully do it too overhanded when we still want you to like, you know, read the book for crying out loud, enjoy it. Um, but yeah, we have, um, we have like this away mission. Like I was saying just a, a few minutes ago, we have this away mission that's taken place, um, at the top of this story. And we, we realized like, Hey, Hammer, do this thing for us. Hammer's still there. So our boy Hammer's there. Thank you, Hammer, for being around. Appreciate it. Um, good job. Not swan diving, you know, into a a snowy mountain with a little face hugger thing. It's great. Too soon. Is that still too soon? It's stupid because he, he, I, 
character should still be around. I think he was one of the best of the. I think he was too. And unique. So. Mm hmm. And Enar, very unique. Yes. But. Not what we're doing. It's okay. We're going to get a lanth tonight now. We're going to see what happens. Grandma. We're getting <laughs> Grandma. Space Grandma. I can't with you sometimes. Well. It's what she is, okay? It's it's basically Guinan but older looking. Mm. That's and she's me. hard to understand. And uh, no disrespect to the actors, that's that's not where where I want to go. But it's just I am fine without more zany characters. Sure, we, we, can, we can do some more. Anyway, whatever, it's fine. Moving on. <laughs> Sweet. So, um. We were at, what, a shuttle? And we may or may not be kind of crash landing? Yeah, something about... They didn't really explain it very well, but it was no. like an experimental shuttle or something like that. It was like the newest shuttle, which maybe is what they were alluding to in season two's first episode. That's what new... I was thinking. Yeah. Like, looking back on it, that's what I was thinking. So we have, we have Spock. They're all in these, like, EV suits, by the way. Like, from what I remember, they're in these, like, yeah. I was just going to say, as a setup, the the whole setup is a another ship had disappeared. So that's why we're anywhere, you know, for any reason. A mm -hmm. ship had disappeared, the Enterprise is investigating, we have a new experimental shuttle. And then, yes, EV suits, yeah. And we have EV suits, and we're landing in, like, these different... I don't know. Hemispheres is kind of like how I was kind of imagining it in my head. Um, this is going to sound really dumb, um, but like they're like in these different like climates, these different hemispheres. And like the thought that came to my mind, David, was I was thinking of like Avatar, the last airbender kind of like regions. Okay. Like yeah. we have like one, like that's kind of like landing in like an earth an earthy kind of like temperate kind of region one in a more like you know I don't know cold or whatever kind of but just these different kinds of climates basically yeah um, like I remember like Spock like trying to figure out like what's going on like he's like in water or something mm -hmm. and but yet we have Pike who la lands in like basically Amish land yeah and, and I was it was funny because you, you were talking about like Terralesium and then I, w I was trying in the simple way of life, all that good sort of stuff. I was trying to figure out what they called his friend that we discover later. What were they? They were like Mennonites, Luddites. Luddites, yeah. Okay, thank you. I, I was, it's like I was just running through my head and I was like, what were they called? But yeah, definitely simpler, simpler way of um, living for sure. But the, the whole problem is, is that our experimental shuttle just basically went offline. They lost electrical power and, you know, they plummeted. But I, whatever. I might just be misremembering stuff or not remembering enough. But we're all in the shuttle. Why were we all in this different... And I mean, that's, I, I guess we did like a, maybe like a jump or something, and maybe I'm not remembering that. Like tactical jump, everyone, at different times in different places or something. And that and that's the thing too that I was struggling with. Like, 
how did we get here? Like that was like that was just like really fuzzy for me as well. Like we like you're saying like we're we're investigating this thing and the next thing you know like Shazam like <laughs> yeah we're all in these different areas on this planet trying to figure out what the devil's going on like our like our our information systems or whatever stuff is just acting all sorts of wonky it's not doing what it's supposed to do so we have to like kind of rely on our wits and figure it out yeah yeah no absolutely um uh, uhura was on the shuttle she landed in like a volcanic region she did um una who my god can you stop saying her freaking last names chin riley chin riley chin riley chin riley it's like look she goes by una i know she has last names I, i understand that and i understand we call pike pike you know, and, and all this stuff in Uhura Uhura, we now know she has a first name. So I understand that, but like Una has always been unique where it's right. number one or Una. We actually went over that in the, uh, uh, what was the other, uh, we, we read something with her in it. Uh, she had came back. It was, uh, it was an original series book. We just did it. Oh, um, uh, the, 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 like captain to captain, the yeah. best defense, all that stuff. Yeah. Una. Yeah. We didn't just say, just say chin Riley all the time. I don't know why. Like there, there are grammatical things that really, uh, it's like they bore into my head that it just really bothers me. It's like when people say guac, when just please say guacamole, it's like, just say the entire, I hate the word guac. It annoys the living hell out of me. Here's another one that people are doing. I've heard this. Uh, there are two things. What do you call your bank account? Um, so you have your savings and your personal checking, checking account, right? Singular checking account. I have heard people say checkings account. Oh, okay. I don't understand it. And, and another one, a hundred K. Why can't you say a hundred thousand? Oh, I, I make uh, you know fifty-seven k, so you make fifty-seven thousand. Can you not just like just say that entire word? You're not really saving that much. Sorry, this is a weird rant, but it just stemmed from just constant hundred thousand. You're saving a syllable, maybe Who two. Who cares? And that's the thing. Who cares about one syllable? It's not going <laughs> to save you any time. <laughs> but anyway, we I just kept hearing Chin Riley, and it's like I think you're missing the point here. She is Una. It's, sure. it, it, it's a part it, it's actually weirdly a part of her personality in a way yeah. it was, it's been acknowledged in several things it's like we can stop saying Chin Riley over and over and over again mm-hmm. that was just my point there sorry Thanks, I, buddy. sorry I got into the weird grammatical weird thing thanks yeah well on this um, on this planet it's almost like there's this um I don't know what we call it, but it's it's like we have this like um, like almost EM kind of pulse thing that's like preventing technology from working for for some reason or another as we are kind of discovering and kind of like navigating our way through this. Um, yep. And like you pointed out, like Una's in this, or, you know, I'm sorry, not Una, Uhura is in this uh, volcanic region. We have Spock in like Water World or whatever. Um, 
Kevin Costner's boating around with a lemon that's tree. Right. That's <laughs> right, man. That's right. Here we go. Um, and we're all trying to get back. But Pike, he's he's back at the OK Corral having a good old time. He's, you know, he, there's like horses. There's people. There's this like cowboy way Tech of Town. life. And he is just in. He is living it up so much. Um, and he, but at the same time, like everyone else, we're all scattered. We're trying to figure out where is everyone. We're trying to regroup and figure out how can we get in touch with the Enterprise, how we can get back home. But of course, there's some kind of block. There's some kind of something that's preventing us from having comms and being able to trace and figure out where people are. And that's just. I don't want to say it's creating a comedy of errors, but it kind of is like between the townsfolk and even yeah. like some of the other folks that we're run, going to run into a little bit later on in particular with our cadet Uhura, who um, they say is like the best survivalist in the world. And it's a total load of crap, but it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's a big bluff. I was trying to remember there was a movie that I, I remember that whole BS story happening. And it's like, she is the greatest naturalist you've ever seen. She can survive for six months on just berries and grass. You'll never find her. Oh, it's Indiana Jones. That's what I was going to say. Indiana it's Jones. Indiana Jones. Yeah. It's like he, she has a two-week lead, which is like six years in a horror time. With any, luck, he's, with any luck, he's already found the grail. That's right. Oh, I'm so glad I remembered that. That's funny. exactly what I was thinking whenever they were saying that in the book. I'm like, this is Indiana Jones right here. Come on now. With Marcus Brody. Marcus Brody. God, I love the Indiana Jones movies, except for that Crystal Skulls, which was just okay. Um, but another thing, though, about the comedy of errors, though, there are several settlements on this yeah. planet. But they're all very far. Well, they're not traveled. They might not necessarily be far away, but nobody travels in between different settlements. They rely on a communication system, which they call the Ron Ronger, I think is what it was called. That sounds right. Yeah. The Ronger. is like a crystal that you poke with another crystal and then you, you know, you go into the other world, man. It's like, whoa, everybody's just here from all the settlements. I just touched this crystal. It's so cool. <laughs> Who's that guy? Oh, he's going to tell us a story. This is great. <laughs> what were the. What, you mentioned Lord of the Rings earlier. What was it? I'm totally blanking. The, um, the stones. The. Oh, the, now you ask. I can't think about it. Frick. Yeah, the seeing stones. Uh, the seeing stones, exactly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, too. yeah, pr pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, I mean, come to find out, this this entire way of life is orchestrated. It, it's all an orchestration, and they're all living in the past by design. Did it have like? Did, you, did this have like any um, insurrection vibes to you? Not necessarily like with like the bad admiral, but with the ba Baku. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I could certainly see that. The only, the only saving grace with Baku is that their planet was healing them. This one wasn't. Mm. <laughs> kind of in the opposite, it could be trying to kill them. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, this is a part that I was confused on. So so throw me a bone on this one, David. 
there was a there was a part I want to say it was around chapter like fifty three. I don't expect you to know the actual chapter yeah. number, but it was around chapter fifty three or so, where we have um, we have the gang. They've basically um, at this point um, regrouped with each other, except for um, Uhura, if I'm not mistaken, um, and they're. They're talking about um, I think they're ta- they're talking about like Uhura's like it's either Uhura or Una, I can't remember, is captured. Um, but they're they're talking about like this defense system. Like that's uh, just ignore all that. Like there's like this like defense system like within the planet. And um, oh, what was the guy's name? Um, and they're basically saying, like, y- you thought it was the planet. It's actually you that's doing this type of thing. And, like, that was what was confusing for me. Like, was it, like, was there, like, this psychic link or something that was, like, doing something, like, without them even knowing? Like, that's where I was kind of lost, like, with what the planet was doing versus what they were doing. I I mean, I, I can give a kind of a thought in that but I would have to sort of spoil the rest of stuff because then we're getting into who actually created this stuff in the first place sure so if you want to ask me that again when we run through spoilery things I'll totally I'll totally provide an answer but doing it right now I'd have to run over a lot of ground I think it was was just confusing like no it was it, it was confusing though. I, I will agree. I did think um, I thought the the explanation was was a, a little a little confusing towards the end. I think they were trying a little bit too much for the swerve mm. instead of like actually ink, inking it out the whole way. Maybe sure. I mean, we only got three hundred seventy one pages to fill. Yeah, only only seventy nine chapters to fill, man. Yeah, well. You didn't have to do it that way, but anyway. Uh, I mean, they, I mean, they could have used a whole other chapter to flesh it out. They could have made it just a nice round eighty. Well, uh, yeah, nobody wants to be that guy. <laughs> anyway, so the the architects of our entire society here are old friends, the Skagarans. <laughs> Interest. I, I mean, it, it was. It was interesting in a way. What I don't remember what they called the the actual planet, but this the Skagarans planet. They they basically screwed themselves. You know, too much technology, not enough taking care of things. Their planet basically turned into wasteland. Mm-hmm. You had some people who went to like uh, kidnap humans and like made North Star, and then the humans rebelled. And that was Enterprise's episode. And then now we have a benevolent, a benevolent, uh, what, what do they call, uh, what was his title? Do you remember? I don't. A grand chancellor wizard guy um, <laughs> who, who is overseeing the project to bring everybody together. And he has just, well, not him specifically because it's been generations, but his people have basically stolen people from everywhere everywhere yeah we've thrown up the ram scoop and man we've just collected people 
everywhere. And it was kind of funny because, like, you know, I, I've told you this. I, I have my Patrick O'Brien nautical novels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they they had talked about the uh, dang it. Now I'm forgetting the ship name. Yeah, uh, the, the Pinta and the Santa Maria. No, we're talking English ships, not Spanish ships. You silly rabbit. Um, uh, crap, because they were at Trafalgar. Uh, anyway, I can't remember. Thunderer. HMS Thunderer. Sure. So the first Thunderer uh, did falter in a hurricane. And then they built another ship that they dubbed the Thunderer, again, which they did, which fought at Trafalgar, which was huge, huge naval battle. And the funny thing is, is like, the, whoever this, I mean, the, the guy who wrote the, I shouldn't say whoever this was. You just literally said the author's name earlier. But anyway, the author John of the book. Jackson Miller. Yeah, so, sometimes, you know, the mouth just starts to spit words out there. It does. But yeah. the author of the book obviously had some semblance of knowledge of, like, of, of history, which I appreciate. And, yes, the, the original Thunderer did founder in a hurricane. It was carrying as a midshipman the, uh, I don't know, second or third son of Captain Cook, who did a lot of navigation around the world, really increased the sort of the British's uh, thoughts of how uh, the world looked. Um, and his son was a midshipman on the Thunderer, and they mentioned that in this book, too, that a descendant of Captain Cook had been, uh, you know, abducted as well. So I thought that was kind of fun. That's cool, yeah. yeah. But they just abducted everybody, and not only did they have abductions, they also had people who also crashed their ship here. We even had some Vulcans. Mm-hmm. And then we got another Enterprise tie-in, which I liked. Because these were Vulcans that were going to go attack Andoria and were mm-hmm. thwarted <laughs> by the new regime that transpired on Vulcan through the actions of Ar- Archer finding Surox Katra and then passing that on so that they would become more peaceable, loving Vulcans. That's right. <laughs> so That's right. there you go. No, big Enterprise guy, apparently. <clears throat> yeah, we got a lot of... I think this is the most enterprise love that we've had in any of the books that we've read to this yes, point. Absolutely. Period. So, um, I'm always okay with that. Always okay Same with here. That. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just this, this collection, this hodgepodge of, uh, species and civilizations just kind of, you know, hanging out, living a little Amish life of sorts, being cowboys and using their crystals to kind of communicate with each other. Yeah, it's 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 good fun until you can't do anything. They're just playing Weird Al Yankovic's Amish Paradise in the back. Oh my god! Churn butter once or twice, you know, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> oh boy. But yeah, with, with this obviously comes some problems. One of our characters that we m- met had lost a leg. And he'd also lost his wife to a... I don't remember what it was, but whatever she died of would have been very curable. Yeah, and that's the thing that... Um, and this was, I think... Um, it was earlier in the book, so... I think it was earlier. But yeah, it was... when When Pike is 
you know, meandering around and he's uh, seeing and hearing about like some of these like medical issues, these health issues that people are talking about, like to your, to your point, David, um, he's thinking like, well, shoot, like this is like super easy. Can I just do this thing? And no, like there's this like ban of any technology, which really, at least like that's how I interpret it. That's how I was understanding. There's like this ban of like any kind of advanced stuff like well, being allowed into the culture, into the society on this particular planet, these homesteads that we're all spread around. And it's an enforced ban. Uh, they have the, the watchers or whatever they were calling their specific brand of police people, which uh, I this is one that I wish Eric were here because it reminded me of an original, um, an original series episode. You, you remember the... Um, the vol where they were feeding that snake snake cave yeah. and they had the they had the guys that came out and then even the episode with Wesley you know where where uh, uh, we had that planet with very specific rules and he crashed into a garden and you had your people coming to kill him and stuff you know so the, you know there, there's a lot of drawn comparison with um, with watchers and stuff and like people going to enforce but one of our characters that we meet, he was trying to build an engine, but he got the fire sick, sicked on him. We have these fire things that burn everything around him, but don't hurt humans. They're not, they, it's non-fatal to you. I mean, unless a flaming beam falls on your head, that'd probably kill you, but it will destroy, you know, matter around you. So they're utilizing this fire to effectively enforce the ban, as you said, on new tech past whatever era that they had came from, mm-hmm. you know, 1800s or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the next gen episode that you were just referring to with Wesley, I think that was is that Angel One. Might be. Yeah, that sounds right. I think it was Angel One and the Vol episode. I'm Children of the Vol. That sounds right. So just a quick aside, like with um, Vol, um, the summer camp that I used to work, go to and work at um, years ago, um, over near the rangers station um, at the camp uh, where like all our rangers and assistant rangers would like really, like that'd be their HQ or whatever. Um, there was a um, fire barrel uh, where we, we would like have to like burn certain things and dispose of it. And the, the head ranger had made this years ago, and it was cut in such a way to look like Vol. So he would always say, go feed Vol, uh, make a sacrifice to Vol. And anyways, so just thought I'd throw that out there. By the way, just to be, you know, 100% whatever about this, it was not Angel One. So I'm just going to call this an Eric. Thanks, it, Eric. It was not Angel One. That was the one where uh, where uh, Riker got to wear his his sexy costume, you know, where he got to show a little nipple. <laughs> the other one was called, uh, if I'm reading this right, if I'm, yeah, Justice. So Justice, yes. Season one, episode eight. So there we go. I knew it was an early episode. Week. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and I think the other one was... I think it was the apple. Eric, just stop yelling at us right now. Just tell us later on. It'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. But anyway, so uh, we, we do have stagnation in society. We have our... Uh, our little group of people who like to store tech stuff in the back room of their shops. Um, and then, uh, you know, we have an old friend of Pike's who's the warden in town. You know, just an old friend that used to teach him how to ride horses and they had a weird chemistry and maybe they Very liked weird. each other. Maybe they didn't, but just, just a little, just a little. You're like two years older than me. It was it was insurmountable at the time. I did you. I viewed you as a great girl. I could have never loved you because you were just so much older. <laughs> How true is that in high school, though? Well, but in, in all honesty, yes. When you're younger, that certainly certainly two years definitely seems like forever. <laughs> it know? really does. It really it does. does. And then, like, we make it, like, super awkward, like, later on, like, oh my God, it was how do you know? That, that how do you something. know? Oh, how do you know about this? How do you know about that? Like, <laughs> like, really, like, are we really going, like, high school, like, like, level relationships and, you know, whatever at this point? It's like, whatever happened to that dumb blonde you used to like, Pike? Oh, uh, oh yeah, I don't, uh, don't uh, talk to her anymore. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> So she was she was a passenger on the ship that crashed that Pike was looking for. Um, and then we get some perspective changes and so forth. We have um, Una meeting meeting the Mountain Man, who's out there spaying and neutering all the creatures in the <laughs> land, makes them less aggressive. Hey, you want to eat this flower with me? It's pretty darn good. No, it's not. Yeah, it's you're really right. Not. It's not very good. <laughs> it's not. But he's Skagarn. He winds up being like the son of the Holy Chancellor Pope guy, whatever. Grand we're Wizard Poobah Potentate guy. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, so she gets to go off to the mythical city of Oz and, and have lots of fun. While Ohura's just out here in lava and just finding Thrive. little fire creatures and making friends. Yeah. Trying to survive, no big deal. It's great. Lava. She's cool. She has a fire friend. Don't touch you know? the ground because the ground is lava. Yeah. Have you watched that show, by the way? What's the show? I don't. I don't know. The floor is lava. No. Uh. <laughs> so, like, I'm sure. I'm sure you at one point played well, the floor sure, is yeah. lava at least kid, once yeah. in your life. Yeah. So the they made this entire show on a certain streaming platform, um, and like my kid loves it, and like we watch it as a family called the floors lava and they've had two seasons i think they're gonna have like a third here pretty soon but it's just like a competition they like fill up these like giant rooms with like with it lava. looks it looks like a like corn syrup because okay. it has like this like thickness to it but it's like orange food coloring and like you have to you have three teammates and you have to get across like these obstacles without falling in and like they coat like all the stuff like with the the juice with the water with the whatever so that you can kind of slip 
So it's very treacherous. I don't know, Chase. Are you sure this is really family friendly? Friendly. They coat everything with a somewhat thick juice. I'm just saying. That's I'm just saying. I'm sure. I'm sure kids would get a kick out of that. But uh, but yeah. Anyway, so we've got everybody living the high life, and then uh, the box out there on the high seas. Gosh, can we just like get everyone like together? Can we like? <laughs> You know, this book, do you think this book should have been 80, 80 chapters? I'm just rounding it up. Should this have really been 80 chapters? Like, really? Could we have just, like, brought this, like, down to, like, I don't know, 45, 40? And, like, not deal with, like, the angst of, like, you're in the, you know, the... I don't know the airbenders you know domain or the firebender domain or the waterbender domain like can't we just like that was just that was kind of annoying like we had like so much cowboying up so much we don't talk to you you don't talk to us but like we have like some romantic angst we have like uhura trying to survive in fireland spock sailing the high seas and then eventually reconnecting with Good old Pike, Una doing something, but eventually kind of sort of getting back. Yeah. Like, sorry, Mario. Thanks for saving me, but the princess is in another castle. <laughs> no, it, it's it, it. Yeah, I think they're trying to like. I think he's trying to build the the atmosphere of a very large planet with a bunch of different ecosystems with all of this different stuff going on that, you know, again, it's just trying to make the story seem bigger than what it really is, because what it is, is an experiment to try and keep people in the dark, feed them propaganda through the Ronger to keep them controlled. And nobody's really unique at that point because they're all doing the exact same thing. And when you try and fight back and fight back by just building a, 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 a what was it? The uh, the barber said something about, oh, I, I put something else in my uh, hairbrush instead of horse hair. Maybe that's why the fire consumed my entire barbershop, you know, yeah. and it, it it's 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 a story about control. How much control can you exert? And the lesson from the Skagarans from uh, North Star was that they were slavers, basically. Yep. Yep. In this account, the Skagarans were the uh, benevolent leaders, so to speak, but nonetheless, they're a bunch of a holes. Mm -hmm. The Skagarans were horrible people. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, they they just they they had a belief in their own superiority that they had the right to do this they didn't have the right percent. to do any of this stuff they no. weren't propagating their species they were playing with people mm -hmm. um, I need oh my gosh um, you mentioned Lord of the Rings um, here earlier they're concerning hobbits I, that was was that chapter one Does that sound yeah, right I think so yeah Okay, but before that, um, before chapter one, wasn't there a, a ch was it a prologue? I don't know if it was actually called prologue or if it was called something else. 
but it was the author, Tolkien, um, that was essentially trying to explain some stuff, right? He was trying to like do like a little bit of like world explanation. Is that correct? I don't know. I'm gonna have to look it up. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, I can't. I can't. That's funny. I cannot quite remember that. Because because here, here's my point. Here's my point. Like, Tolkien took in you know in what he does. I'm gonna guess like it was around round about like twenty twenty five some odd pages, maybe, if that. Um, kind of explaining like dwarves this or dwarfs this, you know, elves that, you know, and like there was just like a little bit of something, like not just like the building of the ring and like the, you know, the nine, the seven, all that stuff. Nine, seven, three, one. It wasn't just that. There was like some other stuff that was mixed in there too. And what I'm getting at is if I think that this story, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself with like the rating piece, but. Um, I think this story could have benefited from the fact, like, just give us, like, 20-something pages. Just tell us about the world. Yeah, provide a little bit of a synopsis, yeah. yeah I, I can see that. Coincidentally, first chapter, a long-expected party. Concerning Hobbits was Bilbo's inner monologue as he was writing his book. Okay. Yeah, but, yeah. You knew so, where I was going. Yeah, I, I, know where, I know where you're going there. But, yeah, I, I mean, uh... Yeah, it could have been an exposition dump by, you know, the Grand Chancelling, you know, Wizard Dragon guy. Poobah, potentate, yeah. homie. Yeah, so, something like that. But, uh, yeah, I didn't quite get that. Just had to sort of string things together a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In a way, it reminded me of kind of how the Game of Thrones book a Game of Thrones is. Um, I mean, there's like, there is like a, a degree of like connectivity in A Game of Thrones, you know, like that first um, Song of Ice and Fire book. Um, but it, it, it's broken up, right? Like it, it goes between, you know, like a Stark and, you know, a, um, oh my gosh, really? Um, anyway, just like the different factions. It just, it just yeah. jumps. And, that's kind of how it felt at times, but at the same time, it did connect well. At the same time, too. So, yeah, I see that. Um, but yeah, like to your point, like when it comes to like this control piece, I think that's like. Do I want to go there? Well, I, I mean, I, I've I, literally I, been calling the guy the Grand Wizard Dragon, which are all basically just <laughs> terrible titles of things. You know what I mean? Well. No, like, well, okay, so, um, recently I, I was, um, I was listening to someone that I have a great amount of respect for, and, uh, was talking about, like, the difference between being in control and being in charge. Yeah. And, um, I think the, the, the most basic way of kind of, like, talking about control versus being in charge is control, you're operating out of fear. Being in charge, you're operating out of, like faith in something so like it's like a glass half full versus half empty almost kind of perspective like you're by taking a position of like yes I'm in control it's 
I don't want to lose control over something. I fear yeah. losing something, basically, versus I'm in charge. I have faith that this process, that this team, that this whatever is going to work out, that mm -hmm. things are going to work out in the end. So may, I don't know if it's a, a distinction without a difference to some people, but I think that that's something to really kind of apply and kind of take, um, you know, out of like what we're talking about in this regard with this particular story. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that, David? No, I, I see what you mean. I, I think there are a lot of other allegories here because when you when you talk about like our whatever leader guy, I can't come up with any more terrible titles and, <laughs> unless I'm going in like the Fuhrer or something like that. Um, there we go. Just making him as bad as possible. But like, you know how he's like in his garden, mm. you know, and like some religious interpretation people like to view God as a gardener and it, it, it's I think that this this guy views himself as more of a God not a person not a friend to walk beside you he is somebody who is is over you and he has his family and these people but even the way he treats some of his people, like he, everything is just so high above in his little garden. And I, 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 I think, I think you're right though. Cause like control, control ultimately becomes an illusion. Ultimately nothing is controllable. There's, there's no such thing. You can't control anything. And that's, that's a hundred percent true. Because it only takes one person to say no. And then what do you do? And then you have this escalation, right? But if the secondary person keeps saying no, there's nothing you can do. The control's lost. So I don't think this guy has any faith in anything necessarily. And I don't think he understands his own fear of, of why he would even have fear because the whole idea of this was to build a utopia conceivably and I think it's more selfishly that would wipe the eye so to speak of the Skagarn race which was supposed to be this high and mighty civilization that fell Sure, I'm going to build something that can't fall because I'm in control yeah. and controls winds up being an illusion and not many people really understand that Yeah, I think that, like, to kind of continue on, like, with what I was saying, like, with the control versus um, in charge piece, is that some part of us wants to um, be led. Like, we want to, sure. we want to follow, you know, someone. We want to um, be led by someone. Uh, and how that ends up, I mean, depends on the person that's leading us, like in our respective roles, positions, you know, whether it's at work, it's not at work, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and I think that's where like it comes down to like whether you think that you're 
in control or you think you're in charge, there's this necessity, of course, for said followers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And kind of going into that, too. Like, uh, I mean, like, let's look at, like, another franchise for, like, a second, like Hunger Games, right? Like, we have um, President Snow, Cornelius Snow, right, um, who has to... Um, He's like orchestrating all the things to, you know, continue to make his life a certain way at the Capitol and for greater society. He thinks he's doing good, but he is orchestrating everything. He's trying to exert control over everything. He thinks he's in charge, but he is in control. Yeah. And I think that's even more um, insidious. Mm-hmm. Is like you think you have people that are willingly following you. They are not. They are afraid of you, and you're you're you continue to do these things. Even reading, my I haven't read it. My wife's read it, but like I've heard enough of her talking about it. Like just even how he is as a young man in the early days of the Hunger Games as well. Um, but we're not here to talk about the Hunger Games. But I think there's there's a lot of those parallels in how we even consider how we think about like how we lead and how we follow, you know, like maybe that's like another thing that we can kind of, um, are we t- already talking about takeaways and application of the book? I feel like we are. Yeah. I hate to say it, but I think, I think we are. I mean, to, I guess to condense down a little bit, um, everyone lives happily ever after the end. Kind of <laughs> P- Pike basically and I don't know if it's advertently or inadvertently, but he basically leads a rebellion, essentially. Like um, Picard, an insurrection. Yeah, Am I right? Exactly. Um, Spock had found his people, the Vulcans, who had taken all the ships. And they had basically uh, sailed around trying to help people and do ship stuff. Uh and we're able to whisk away a lot of folks, but we still have, you know, Pike's friend who's a warden. We said she was a warden. I can't remember her name, unfortunately. But um, start with an, it start with an A. I can't. I, uh, too far for me to, to remember. But um, keeps trying to change her mind about it. But essentially, it all winds up being that she's lost effectively everything. You know, her her Luddite colony had went to whatever the planet was that was destroyed by the Klingons, or the people were killed. So she doesn't really have anything. She doesn't really have any hope. And one of our other friends, uh, you don't remember the species of, because uh, they become important, because they were the original folks on this planet. No, but I want the with the Klingon piece, I mean, it was basically pissing off Takuvma and like his followers that really right. ramped things up. So again, we right. get more of like season one discovery stuff <laughs> cropping up with Takuvma and Takuvma's, you know, zealot zealots basically. Yeah. But again, j- just as a condensed down, what we wind up finding out is this planet was not uninhabited. It was inhabited by a race of people who, you know, had their own tech way of life, all that sort of stuff, tech in a technical sense. 
Um, but when the Skagarans came here, they used them as basically a slave class to build the society that they wanted. One of the one of the friends in the uh, I, I can't remember. I want to say remediators, but I don't think that that's the word for them that they had. Uh, or the rejuvenators or something like that. It was a re it was, something. It wasn't generators, was it? Uh, something like that. But he read the, the language because it was his people's language. And what they find out is, is that this field that dampens electrical impulse here on the planet can be extended almost indefinitely. So you could in, basically run this field through the entire universe and it would stop all electrical output so ships stranded people dead because they wouldn't be able to run their ships uh, planets would go in a disarray like the entire universe would basically turn into chaos effectively and our warden is saying I kind of like that like sounds pretty sick like we have a cool thing here I'm going to go do that um and then we also find out that our fire, our Uhura's mystical fire, yeah. is actually a living being that can communicate through the Ronger, but is not on our plane. They're from another sort of university thing. And they had created the Rongers. They're the prophets. Yeah. Oh, God. Let's not even go there. They're the prophets. I don't want to hear it. They didn't give us any eggs for us to open and look at. <laughs> but... They created these things to effectively sort of pass into our universe. I got a little confused by this to like alleviate some of the stresses on their universe or some BS like that. Do you remember mm -hmm. the exact reason that was? That was that was really what I took from it too. But Okay. Um They're trying to repair their universe by coming here and like dumping energy or something like that. I, I don't remember the whole thing, but but suffice it to say the Skagarans were using this technology to try to control the fire people through the little crystal sticks and our head guy Grand Poobah Chancellor yep. Potentate homie yep now he is going to turn this on to 11 as a mustache tweedling plan to end it all Batman I've got you now <laughs> Well, I love the fact that David is actually like twisting his mustache as he does that. <laughs> yes, for those of you who are just listening in a podcast and you can't see it, but it's wonderful. Yes. Mm, right now he's busting out the turtle wax. Oh, God. Oh, heck no. Um, but yeah, I mean, the ending got a little confusing for me. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I kind of understand like the fire creatures. I kind of understand like bits and pieces, but we stop by the bad guy <laughs> and, and and then we just have this whole extra wrap up chapters. Yeah. yeah. It was like the return of the king. Yes. Just going home. Gotta deal with those with that sharky, man. Sharky's been messing up hopping here we don't know what's going on yet we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna take care of this yeah it, it, it did kind of 
conveniently end. Yes. Ohura oh. got to got to see her little flame friend as like a person for a bit. You must stop the... this. Only you can prevent forest fires. Only you can start forest fires. <laughs> but how convenient. Of course. Of course. Our communications cadet, of course, is uh, is communicating with fire sprites, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. And fire sprites, you know, they're the, the mystical aliens that make... You know our um, our internet work, right? Our our mass communication system work. Yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly. Of course. Um, all right. Well, I've already basically been doing it, but do you want to just like say any final like kind of takeaways or applications or you know whatever about this particular book besides like the control and you know, whatever else comes to mind, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it, kind of a, a different working on what we've already seen from the Skagarans, which I guess was sort of interesting. R- realistically, the, the only other thing is just the end of the book wound up being trying to get these people to where they needed to go. We even visited North Star for a bit um, to bring a couple of folks uh, to, to, re- to basically integrate into the greater galactic hubbub because they wouldn't have known what was going on and all that sort of stuff um kind of like the sona reintegrating with the baku at the end of insurrection man whoa (laughs) bro dude i mean we we even go to vulcan where pike's warden friend is teaching little vulcans how to ride horses and you know our vulcan sub commander was given a full commander you know and a ship to go help stuff and it was like a lot of touchy-feely hugs all around type of ending to a book so but no i mean i think we could probably move on to to the end okay well um i guess with that um you want to rate the thing yeah let's do it so with books not TV episodes, we do do it out of um, five. So, without uh, you've probably already done it, so I shouldn't say this, but without looking at Goodreads, um, <laughs> how would you um, rate this particular episode? I can go first, so, so as I know you've been doing some jibber jabber for a little bit. Um, I. Like, like I was saying in the beginning, I particularly, I, I was enjoying this book. I did enjoy this book. Um, even if it was like a lot of like churning of information almost incessantly. And um, with that, like I did like the callbacks um, to the, the different shows. And um, even as we were talking, you know, on this episode, uh, even about like, comparing it to like insurrection at times um i like that um i think there is a good story in here i think there's some good applications some good thinking moments we get to have some fun with the enterprise crew as they're kind of spread out and like using their skills their talents to um you know work towards like the bigger mystery of like what the devil's going on for the most part um i think there's a decent amount of techno babble 
um, that's kind of happening at times in this particular book. Um, but there, it, there are some challenges with like uh, being able to kind of follow the through line at times. Um, like I feel like reading this, like you, you get it, and you you hold on to it for a little bit, but then you just kind of lose it. But then it like eventually comes back. Like you almost need like a friggin' decoder ring to be able to find where it's going at times. Um, unless I'm just like really dense. I don't know. That's that's possible. Um, I think this this is um, a fun and also thoughtful book. I think it can certainly occupy like that same space. I do think it needs um, more development in the sense of this could have been a tighter book instead of um, as drawn out as it was. Um, I know it's it's 79 chapters. Um, I think that this could have been a little bit shorter. Like I could understand this being closer to like 50, 50 about 50 some odd chapters as opposed to like 79. Because like when David puts it in comparison with the length of a Lord of the Rings book slash audiobook, I'm like, I don't know if it's that epic for like felt compared to like Fellowship or Two Towers or whatever for it to justify that, you know, audio length or that page length. Um, it definitely gets a, a, a an extra bump for me because Hammer's in this. Um, he hasn't done his swan dive yet, so that's good. Um, what do I rate this? Uh, I can't give it a five. Cannot give it a five. Um, but I can't flame it either. Um, I think this is a, um, this might be a book that you could, uh, that might have some reread, some re-listen-ness to it. So I think I could live with giving this thing like a, like a four, maybe four one, something like that. That's kind of where I'm hanging out at. So, David, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, I I do think that it was a little. A little tough to follow at times. I, I there, there's a lot in here, and um, I, I definitely could have. I, I think it could have been condensed down a little bit further to make it a little less grandiose than what it kind of attempted to be. Um, with that said, I, I do think that a writer did capture the characters well like mm -hmm. our core characters so I mean that's good because there are times when you get some writers who want to tailor the characters to them and their thoughts more so than what they actually are we've talked about that Definitely. in the past um, you know it, it does it, it does become like a, a not original idea though you know, we've already had the school gardens. We, we, we know a little bit about that. Um, while it's a different, you know, packaging, it's still the same unbenevolent BS. Uh, but 
you know, that, that can be okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it is, I, I had a good time listening to it. I, I didn't like need to stop and like decompress or anything like that at any point. Um, but I, I guess just as far as, as, as gripes get to the point, maybe a little quicker would have sure. been fine. Um, and cut it out with this stupid chapter crap. Like, I'm not quite sure where all these people are coming out of writing school thinking that creating all of these massive chapter lengths is somehow like a good deal. Like, I don't need chapter one to be 100 pages, but I also don't need the POV to switch it that much. Yeah. Um, and that's that's just me. It's fine. Uh, but I think I think he tried to utilize all the characters in, a, in, in an effective way. So while the ending was a little bit a little bit confusing at times, um, I, I didn't have a bad a bad time reading it. And I do appreciate some of the little intricate details like the thunder and all that. I mean, I, I can appreciate somebody who actually takes the time to do a little bit of research into, into things. Um, so yes, I did. I did look at what Goodreads gave it. I always do because I enjoy that. And it was a 4.1 and Amazon has it at a 4.3. So pretty, I mean, pretty decent from a book rating standpoint. Um, I think, I don't necessarily know if it's, if it's rereadable for me. Sure. Um, but it's, it's not, it's not bad. I think it's, it's a decent read for folks. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to, I think I'm going to stick with what I came in with. I'm going to give it four, two, four point two. I think that that's, I think that that's fair. Okay. Okay. So David, uh, gave it a 4.2. I gave it a 4.1. Let's use the power of math. Eight point math divided by two. So we're at a four point one five because I can math without a calculator. Um, there we go. Four point one five is our average on this. How about that, guys? Um, yeah, I think this is like probably one of the higher rated books that we've done together, if I'm not mistaken. At least in recent memory, we've had yeah. a couple that that haven't been we haven't been too complimentary about. No, we've had some duds lately, major major duds lately. So, anyway, well, I don't have um, um, I do not have a Twitter poll for this episode. Oh. I know blasphemy, right? Sorry, guys. Um, but we still have we have a couple books um, that we can can certainly pull from. Uh, there is a, um, and I have to talk to David about this a little bit more, but there was a four-issue um, Star Trek comic book uh, that came out not too long ago uh, that we haven't had the chance to tackle, but it's, it's four issues. It shouldn't take too long. Uh, but it's called The um, Illyrian Enigma, and it's supposed to be a bridge thing, a, a tie-in um, directly between the end of season one and the beginning of season two of Strange New Worlds. Cool. So um, him and I will talk about that and um, we'll see about, you know, covering that in some way. I don't expect it to be like a full-blown, you know, 90-minute kind of episode talking about four comic books, but 
uh, that might be something that we can kind of work out. And then, of course, there's other books, too. I think there's Harm's Way, which is a, a TOS-era book. Um, there's also The Second Self, which is, or Second Self, which is a Picard-era book. And I think there might also be another Discovery book coming out in the near future. Um, Yay! I know you're so excited about that. <laughs> so much. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a few things we have to choose from. And then if we don't feel like doing any of them, then pick something else. So anyway, you got anything else, David? Nope, I'm good. Okay. Um, okay. Well, um, David, as always, thanks for being a glutton for punishment and talking Trek with me, whether it's a book or otherwise. Appreciate it, as always. Um, but everyone out there in Listenerland, what did you think of the book, um, or at least our discussion of the book? Um, if you've read it, we'd love to hear your thoughts. And even after you read it, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts um, or whatever. So uh, let us know uh, uh, how you might have rated it, what your favorite part of the book was, that sort of thing. Um, you can get in contact with us, trtvpod.com. Uh, where you can listen to all of our episodes. You can support the show if you like what we're doing on Patreon.com. Um, all links are there. Uh, of course, if you want to get in contact with us directly, share your thoughts about an episode or give us ideas for an episode or just tell us how amazing David is or something like that. Not me, David. Um, you can do that at trtvpod at gmail.com. Um, you can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute limit before we have fire making technology stuff go bye-bye um other than that if you want to mail us something like i don't know something make sure it gets to the lone star station p.o box 2455 azel texas 76098 everyone thank you so very much for tuning in and as always remember to boldly go and make it simple